All right, you all can be seated as I drop my water. So we've got Spencer and Phil Trigg and Wonka that have decided to go hike to John Muir. Thank you. For 12 days. So they are not with us this morning, but you can keep them in prayer. So that's the manly thing to do, to go hiking for 12 hours up on a big mountain somewhere, I guess. But I'm, I don't, it doesn't sound like a lot of fun to me. Um, my name is Jerry, and I struggle with, in the spirit of what Bruce did last week when he brought the word to us, I struggle with caring way too much of what people think about me. I, my identity is sometimes wrapped up and how people feel about me and whether they think I'm doing a good job or not. It's a real struggle, right? We all have these struggles in our hearts and sometimes we don't talk about them, but in these areas, we need help. We need gospel to be spoken to us. I need words from you all. I need you to speak to me. I need you to remind me of who I am in Christ. Along those lines, let's open up in prayer again. Father, I pray that these words will be hidden behind the cross. Lord, I pray that you would open up your word to us and that you would show us the power that words truly do have. Embolden us to be willing to speak gospel truth to one another. Lord, we invite you in and we beg you, Lord, to open our ears and our eyes and our hearts that we might see what you have for us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Words. Simple words. Have you ever thought about like how important and how magnificent and how powerful that words can be? It's just a couple of words, right? There's usually a subject and there's usually a verb and there may be a few adjectives or adverbs. There may be a conjunction here and there, a period at the end, maybe an exclamation point. But these words have the power to literally transform people's lives, to give you a a good day or a bad day, to wreck your week or to make it the best week that you've ever had. Okay, here's what I want you to do, right? This is like between you and God, so don't like to be sharing, you know, other people, your your notes. But if you got a pen, if you got a pen, take it out. And if you don't, you can just do this um, in your mind. Think back on your life. It may have been yesterday it may have been last year, or it may have been sometime within you know, the, you know, the past 20, 30 years. You never know. But think about one time in your life that someone spoke words to you that really hurt you. Okay? Think about that. Write that down, if you will. Nobody's writing. I can stand here all day. What were the words that were spoken? Now, do just the opposite. Think about a time in your life that someone spoke words to you that did just the opposite. They encouraged you. They inspired you. You may have stepped into this job or to this relationship or to to this situation because of the words that were spoken. Write those words down too. You may just be thinking about them or you may be looking at them. But look, it's just letters. They're just words. 
Isn't it fascinating that maybe words that were spoken 20 years ago, you can still remember today? So as a part of my homework for this uh, preaching this morning, I would go around and I would just talk to people, and I would ask them those same two questions. And it was amazing to me the stories that would come out. It's like, yeah, I remember. You know, this is, this is just one example, right? But I remember being a high school kid, straight-A student, always made good grades, tried as hard as I could in this keyboarding class, but I could not go any faster, and I got a B in the class, and I brought my grade card home. Never made a B before, first B I ever made, and my dad was so disappointed in him, and he spoke his disappointment. Son, you can do better than that. And I'm like, golly, dude, that was 30 years ago or 20 years ago. You still remember that? It's like, oh, yeah, I definitely remember that. It's just words, but they have great power, don't they? Okay? How many of you all, and you can raise your hand on this one, how many of you all, Christians I'm speaking to, have had a situation in your life that you've been struggling through, you've been trying to figure out what to do, and someone at the right time said the right thing that you needed to hear? It may have been a text. It may have been a conversation over coffee. It may have been that you just ran into them in the hallway and they said, hey, I've been thinking about you, and they spoke these words to you. Or maybe you went to them for counsel, and they listened well. They took a breath, and then they spoke words, and it really, really helped you. How many of y'all have had that happen to you before? Okay? Probably, if I asked, and how many of y'all have done that to someone else, you could also probably raise your hand as well. So we're going through this sermon series, and it's called Developing a Community of Care, right? We've been talking about this for a year and a half now, how the body of Christ should be caring for the body of Christ. And Spencer got us started off. He started talking about love. So we've got love, know, speak, and do. So Bruce um, covered, well, Spencer covered love. Bruce covered know last week. So we love God, and because we love God, we are required to love whom? One another, right? We have to love one another. It's actually required. You can't love God and not love your brother. If, if you're doing so, then you, you're lying to yourself, and the love of God is not within you. That's what the Word says to us, right? So you have to love God before you can love your brother. And then Bruce um, reminded us that there's no way that you can really love your brother without getting to know them, right? We have to get to know people. We actually have to have a relationship with them. Today, we're taking it a step further, Right? There are times that you all and I are going to not only get to know people and have a relationship with them, but there's words that Jesus would love to speak through them, and he actually wants to use me, and he actually wants to use you. These words, this speaking, it's a part of us being able to build up the body of Christ. We've been going through some training amongst our um, community care team. We've been reading a book. We've mentioned this book over and over. We're going to mention it again because we're hoping that some of you all will actually go to Amazon and go swipe and just order it because that's all you have to do with Amazon. You just swipe, right? It's called Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands. Paul David Tripp, Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands. And the subtitle is People in Need of Change, Helping People in Need of Change. I mean, that's us, right? I'm in need of change. I care way too much about what people think about me. You've got your own heart issues, Right? And you need gospel to be spoken back to you as well. How can we develop a culture of care so that people aren't looking to the Spencer Tills of the world, right, or the Bruce's or the Jerry's or the Daniel McIntosh's to be able to speak that word, but we're speaking it one to another. That's what we're after, okay? That's what we're after. Let's turn in our Bibles or look on your worship guide. Let's look at our first passage. The first passage is 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 
verses 15 through 21. As you're turning there, just think about the beginning of creation, right? There was darkness, there was a void, and then God spoke, and God said. He just spoke words. That's all he did, and it transformed the whole universe and all of the universes through words. Fascinating. Think about the new creation, the new creation when Jesus comes, right, to establish his kingdom on earth. In John chapter 1, in the beginning was the what? Was the word, the logos, right? It was, it was the representation of what the Lord wanted to convey from his heart and his soul to humanity. Jesus is the word. And in that moment, Jesus was the word. John Calvin um, translates that as the speech, Jesus was the speech, and he is the speech, right? At Providence Academy, they teach rhetoric, persuasive communication, trying to help people to understand this truth, this thesis position, and how am I going to convey that? I'm going to use rhetoric. I'm going to use the best words that I can to help my audience to understand this truth. And that's what God did in that moment. In the beginning was the speech from God. It's amazing. Words. Just the power of words. So let's look at 2 Corinthians 5, 15 through 21. And he died for all that those who might, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. So you see, he's pointing, I used to think about things in the flesh, and now I don't anymore. I'm a new creation. The old has passed. Behold, the new has come. And all this is from God, who, through Christ, reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, which we'll come back to in a moment. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us, right? When you see us there, that's you. And that's me entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Ambassadors representatives, image bearers, right? That's what we're talking about here. We have something to say on his behalf. We always go to Webster because Webster was, is the one that gives us definitions. An ambassador, an official envoy, especially a diplomatic agent of the highest rank accredited to a foreign government or sovereign as the resident representative of his or her own government or sovereign or appointed for a special and often temporary diplomatic assignment, an authorized representative or messenger. So here's the point. I've only got three points, right? So there's going to be words, but hopefully there are not going to be too many words. The first point is this. You and I are God's ambassadors. He wants to use your words, and he wants to use my words to bring reconciliation and to remind people of gospel truths. Okay? Sunday mornings are great. We come in and we worship on Sunday mornings. And I don't want to diminish the power of Sunday mornings. 
Spencer is an amazing pastor. I love him dearly. He has great words for us. But this body of Christ will not grow because of how eloquent he is or is not. And it will not grow because the worship is amazing. It'll grow because we as a body are learning how to speak gospel truths to one another over and over and over. So point number one is you're an ambassador. Let's look at the passage again. So verses 15 and 16. Okay, in verse you know, 15, he died for all that those who might live. Now we now longer, no longer live for ourselves, but we're living for him. Uh, verse 16, we see people through spiritual lenses, right? We, we now therefore regard no one according to the flesh. Though we once did, we don't do that anymore. So we look at people, when we see people and we hear their struggle, we recognize their humanity and we say, oh, so you struggle with that? Well, guess what? I struggle with that as well, right? So let's go back to the truth of the gospel of who we are in Christ and our identity in him because we need to be reminded of that all the time. We look at people and we recognize as Christians, these are individuals who are under attack of the enemy. The enemy hates us. He absolutely hates us. But quite honestly, the enemy is not our biggest enemy. Our biggest enemy is our very own flesh, right? There's this old flesh that's always going to be there. Even though we've been reconciled, we forget so easily. And Paul says in Philippians 1, I know you know these truths, but as long as I'm in this tent of a body, I'm going to remind you of these things. Why? Because we forget who we are in Christ. So I look at you all, and I don't see you just as people that live on earth that are working a job and making money and raising kids. It's deeper than that. We are eternal beings and we are under attack and we are easy to forget who we are in Christ and we need words from other Christians to remind us of these things. Look at verse 20. Look at it. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. It's nonsensical, people. I don't get it. I can't understand that at all. But if I go back to John chapter 17 and Jesus' high priestly prayer, right before he goes off and he's crucified, he's praying to the Father. And he says this in 1720. He says, I do not ask for these only, talking about the disciples, but also for those who will believe in me, that's us, through their word. Not through my word. Jesus doesn't say through my word, but through their word. These people that I'm saving and I'm calling to myself, I am declaring them. This is ultimate delegation, people. This is the highest form of delegation. God of the universe says, I am going to save these people, and then I'm going to delegate my authority and my words through them. Jesus put it this way. He says to the disciples, I'm with you now, but I'm going away. Don't be sad that I'm leaving you now because it's better for you that I go and that I come back. Well, what's he talking about, right? The physical Christ can only be followed by so many people on this earth, right? We understand that. But imagine Jesus coming back and sealing us until the day of redemption and that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now resides in each and every person that's in this auditorium this morning who names the name of Christ, who has confessed their sins, who has bowed before the Lord and said, I am a sinner, you are Savior, I confess my sins to you and I repent of my sins, oh God, save me from my sins. He will do that. His word says that, right? Everyone who has the Son of God 
um, has eternal life. We saw that for those that are reading the CBR in 1 John chapter 5 this past week. But if you don't have the Son of God, you do not have eternal life. But if you do have eternal life, it is confirmed by the Spirit of God that's within you. And it's the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. He resides in you, and He wants to use you to speak to other people. It's astounding. I don't get it. I don't understand it. But it's true. And what message are we bringing Look back at verse number 18. And he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We were separated. There was a chasm. Jesus Christ comes and he gives us the ability to bridge that chasm so that when God looks at us, he no longer sees us. He sees the perfection and he sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We have been reconciled. We were in bad standing. In fact, scripture goes so far as to say this. Listen to this. It says that we were at enmity with God. We were at enmity. We were enemies of God, right? We're separated. And Jesus reconciles us. As ambassadors, he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. We are able to speak truths to people and see them be reconciled back to God. That's one part of it. That's salvation. But then the other part of it, this is, we have been reconciled and we have forgotten that's why I care so doggone much about what people think about me because I forget my, my identity is in Christ. Words being spoken to me to remind me of that is what I need. Jerry, you've been reconciled. You're at peace with God, right? Having believed, you know, you are justified by faith and you have and you are at peace with God. There is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. It's an amazing thing and I need to be reminded of that. I need your words to remind me of that. Your friends need your words to remind them of that. I think back at a time um, years ago, I could probably give you the year, 1988-ish, right? So a buddy of mine from high school, we, ETSU decided they were going to have a JV basketball team, and um, we, we were going to play. So we tried out, made the JV basketball team at ETSU, and even though we knew each other in high school, we didn't really know each other. His car broke down, so we would go to practices, and then he would want me to take him home. So as I began to take him home, and I had become a Christian probably a year earlier. So as I began to take him home, you know, every night, some nights I would stay because he was trying to teach me how to play Bon Jovi, dead or alive, on the guitar. Down, 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 down. I can play that. That's all I can play. I can play it over and over, right? Um, it's good stuff. So we would sit there, and I was trying to get the G together, and I was trying to get the C, and the F is really, really hard. I couldn't do it. I'm a terrible guitarist, so don't ask me to play. But as we were having this conversation, David looks at me, and he was like, Jerry, he's like, what does it mean to be saved? And I was like, well, I didn't see that coming. In fact, I probably wasn't even living right at the time. It's like, well, he's like, I just thought like you get to a certain age, and then you're baptized, and then you go to heaven. He's like, I don't think that's right, is it? I'm like, well, no, that's not right. And I fumbled through my words. What I said to him was a colossal failure. I want you to know that. It was the worst gospel that has ever been presented to any individual on the face of this planet. It was that bad. But I prayed as I was speaking, and I asked God to use my words. And I did, right? And then I got in my Jeep, and I drove home that night. And he got on his knees, and he asked Christ to forgive him of his sins. He's one of the strongest Christians that I know on the planet today. I'm like, how's that? It's because I was an ambassador in that moment. I'm not the hero of that story. It was terrible what I said, right? Your words don't have to be perfect, 
You just have to be willing, and it can change people's lives if you would just be willing to speak those words. Okay, let's go to our next passage. Let's turn over two chapters. Well, you've got your worship guide. Just look on your worship guide. Ephesians chapter 4. We've used this passage for the past four weeks or three weeks, and we're going to use it again. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16, and verse number 29. 11 through 16 and verse number 29. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, and here's our, here's our passage, here's our key, and this is what we're talking about, and this is what we're going to go back to. Rather, speaking the truth in love, right? Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. And this is his challenge to us, the next few words, so look at them. When each part is working properly, when we're all speaking as ambassadors, when we are reconciling and reminding of reconciliation, he makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You can continue to read, but I'm going to skip ahead to verse 29. It says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up. There's this building up that's there. As fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. It's a great passage. This passage reminds us that the Lord has these offices and these people that he calls into the church but their purpose is to equip the body for the works of ministry, right? To equip the, the other priests of the kingdom to be able to know what it is that he's called them to do. You're an ambassador. You're a reconciler. We're going to equip you. Now go do your job, right? Go do the work that he's called you to do within your sphere of influence, within your world, within the people that you are connected to, within the people that you know. Right? You don't have to come to my people because I'll talk to them and you talk to yours and you talk to yours and we can reach the world. But if we're looking for a pastor to do that, right, then it's not going to happen. It just will not happen. It cannot happen. The multiplication shows that it cannot happen. Verse number 11, you see the, the, the offices, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Those are word-heavy offices, aren't they? You see that? But what's the pur purpose? To equip the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ. How do we do that? We do that by speaking the truth in love. That's all of us, right? That's not a one-time thing. That's extending grace in each occasion. Um, the, the passage that's probably been my passage for the past year is Colossians 4.2. Colossians 4.2 reminds us to remain steadfast in prayer and watchful in it. 
with thanksgiving. Remain steadfast in prayer. Continue to pray, but pray with your eyes open. Pay attention to the people that he's putting in front of you. Pay attention to the person that you can't get out of your head during your prayer time. Pay attention to the person who you happen to be standing in front of after church this morning, right? I want to touch and say hi and high-five everybody in this church. You all know that, right? I can't help myself, right? It's, it's a curse, I guess. I got it from James Dupree because he's the same way. Um, but really, we're better off if we just pay attention to the individual that's right in front of us, right? Because they may need a word from us. I can't tell you the number of times that I've done my prayer walk in the morning and I've gone and sat on the front porch and I couldn't get a specific individual out of my mind. And I just reached out to them. And the words that were spoken to them were exactly what they needed to hear. Jesus is the hero of that. I was just paying attention, right? We all need to be doing that. So here's point number two. Point number two is, as his ambassador, point number one is you are an ambassador. Point number two is, as his ambassador, he actually wants to use your words and your experiences, which we'll talk about next week, but he wants to use your words to help other people. Okay? Point number one, I'm an ambassador. Yes, you are, right? And he has delegated this authority to you and will use your words to help other people. It's the function of the body of Christ. We are each people in need of change and in go of, of gospel application in our own hearts, and we are helping other people in need of change and in need of gospel application. I can't help but put in a plug for community groups at Redstone here. I can't help it. I mean, I'm the community life pastor, so I bleed community groups. But it isn't just because I'm an extrovert and I love seeing people get together. That's really not it at all. This is a part of the DNA, not only of our church, but I think of the church universal. I think I can show that in Scripture, that there were these small pockets of believers that would come into homes, right? And they would sit around the table and they would break bread and they would confess sins one to another that they might be healed and they would carry one another's burdens that they might fulfill the law of Christ and they would rejoice with those that were rejoicing and they would cry with those that were sorrowful, right? I think I can show that in Scripture that that was taking place, okay? The thing I love about community groups is we hear the word on a Sunday morning and then we step into community group and we allow that word to process in our hearts and our minds and then we get together and we talk about it. So now there's this grand opportunity for confession or for repentance or to dig in a little bit deeper, right? Amongst people that over time, maybe not initially, but over time, I'm learning to trust. And I've never shared my heart before. I've never confessed my sins to someone else before. I've never asked, what does this mean? I'm really confused before because I've always feared what other people would think about me in saying these things. But the closer I get to these people, the more comfortable I feel asking and saying, and I'm just going to step over this line and I'm going to do it. And I'm like, guys, here's where my struggle is. And I begin to share, and then the body of Christ comes around me and helps me and prays with me and guides me and directs me and is a minister of, of, of reconciliation and shows me of who I am in Christ. And once you do that and once you receive that from others, it's a little bit addicting, right, because you want more of that because there's this transparency, there's this realness that's able to take place in community groups that cannot take place on a Sunday morning. There's just too many of us, right? So, yeah, this is a plug for community groups. In fact, we're starting community groups um, here in a couple weeks. 
we actually start the week of the ninth, and, and sign-ups are at this table as soon as church is over. We're going to have three people back there, and they're going to have their iPads, and you may already be in a group. Let them know. They just want to make sure your name's on there. But if you're not in a group, we want you to be in a group. We want to get you involved in a group. We can help you find a group, but find a group because you need to be a part of a smaller community where we can actually be speaking the gospel uh, one to another. The other thing, as we're looking at kind of the DNA of Redstone and what Jesus has called us to do and what are the cultural distinctives of our church and, and what does that look like on a weekly basis, one of the things is, as we went through this training with the community care team, um, it was pretty intense. And we had to practice the things that we were learning in our own small groups. I shared stuff that was in my heart that I didn't even know was there. I cried tears that I didn't even know needed to be shed, right? And I realized, wow. If I'm feeling that way, imagine how everyone else in this congregation is feeling. There are times I just need someone to lay their hand on my shoulder and pray for me. You don't have to tell them all your junk. You don't have to tell them the struggle. You can just say, hey, I'm in the middle of one of the biggest decisions of my life. Or I am in the middle of a relationship. I really need prayer right now. Right? And every Sunday, we're actually going to have two people, and they're going to be back at the back. And all you got to do is go up to them and say, will you pray for me? Or here, will you take this and pray this week for me? We want to do that because we want to be a body that's taking care of and caring for the needs um, of the body. So why don't we do it more often? You know, I asked myself that question as I was working through this sermon. If this is true, if I have been delegated by the King of Heaven to be an ambassador for Him and to learn how to speak the truth in love, then why don't we do it more often than we do? This may not be the right answer, but this is what I wrote down. It's because I often care more about what others think than what the Lord does, and I would rather them remain happy with me than me accidentally speaking words that might offend, right? Because sometimes when you speak the truth in love to someone, it's a hard thing for them to hear. It's not always easy. There's no guarantee here that if you'll follow this prescription and you speak the words in love, they're going to say, wow, I see the light now. You are a messenger from King Jesus, and he sent you to me during this moment. I thank you, thank you, thank you. They may punch you in the nose, right? They may not want to talk with you again. I had one of these this past year. It was actually with a relative. And I got in my car and I drove to Georgia. And it was hard. There were hard things that were said. And I followed that up with some other hard things that I felt like the Lord was calling me to say. And um, probably for a couple of months, she wouldn't speak to me. Right? So where's my allegiance? Is my allegiance to God or is it to keeping peace with all people at all times? No matter what, I think that the Lord's calling me to speak to them. Our allegiance is to God. We are his representatives. We are his ambassadors. The spirit that raised Jesus from the dead resides in me, and I have an obligation to look at these individuals and speak the truth in love. Now, does that mean that I use that as an opportunity because I am an ambassador of King Jesus? I can just speak my mind to you or tell you how I feel. You know? Is that what we're talking about? No. No. Absolutely not. Right? So how do we go about speaking the truth in love? Let's look at Ephesians 4. This one's actually not on your worship guide, so you may have to actually flip into your Bible. But look at Ephesians 4, um, verses 1 through 3, because he answers it here in a couple of very specific words. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, it says, Therefore, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, 
urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've called. With all, here's a key word, right? You might want to like highlight this one or underline it. With all humility and gentleness and patience, right? That's what it looks like. This is the foundation for everything that Paul's getting ready to say in chapter 4. But it starts right here. Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Speak in the way that he would speak. And this is what that looks like. It's with humility, it's with gentleness, and it's with patience. We bear with one another in love. That's how we go about speaking the truth in love. Another way that we do so, and you don't have to turn there unless you want to, but I'm going to look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. In 2 Timothy 3, 16, it's reminding us of the truth that God's word is true, okay? Going back to the high priestly prayer that I told you about a few moments ago in John chapter 17, verse 20, when he says people are going to get saved through your words, right before that, in, in verse number 17, he says, sanctify them, set them apart, make them holy by your truth, and then he says, your word is truth, okay? This is critical, so we can't be like just shooting from the hip and just throwing words out and speaking and just thinking that everything is going to work out okay. No, we have to be in the Word of God. Because look at this. It says, all Scripture is breathed out by God, and it's profitable. The Word of God is profitable for teaching, right? For reproof, for correcting, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The things that are coming from our mouths have to be consistent with the teachings of Scripture or we've gone solo when we've gone rogue, okay? And that happens way too much in the body of Christ, right? We need to be in the Word of God. We need to know the Word of God. And we need to remind people of the truths that are in the Word of God because it's these truths that can teach, that can bring reproof, and that can bring correction and training in righteousness, a third way that we can speak the truth in love is by speaking grace and not law. Go back to Ephesians, our Ephesians 4 passage. This is the last verse that's actually on your, on your worship guide. Verse number 29, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. I look at that and I thought, golly, as a father, and some of y'all as mothers, and there's others as well, but I'm specifically like thinking about fathers and mothers. How many times, times have we spoken condemnation? Have we spoken law in, instead of spoken grace? Man, I am guilty. I am guilty of sin of this one, right? We do it. We have a tendency to speak law, and we have a tendency to speak condemnation. We need to be speaking grace. These are not diametrically opposed to one another. So that's not what I'm saying. In fact, it's because of God's grace that we have the law, right? If you go to Romans, he says, I would not have known what coveting was if the law had not said, thou shalt not covet. But now that I know what the law says, I find that my heart is always coveting. What a wretched man I am. What am I going to do with that? That leads us to Christ. So it's the law of God that points us to Christ. 
right? It points us to grace and the grace of Christ. But sometimes in our words with people that we love, we stop at law and we stop at, con- uh, stop at condemnation, right? There's always grace. There's always mercy. And there's always hope in the gospel. And people need to be reminded of that. So speak grace, not law. And then the fourth way that we can do so is to speak quicker, right? Here's what we do. Here's what I do. I may be the only one that's guilty of this. Like, I'll see Bruce's struggling. He's in a ditch, and I can see it. I can hear things that are coming out of his heart. I can tell that something's off there, and I know I should be saying something, but I let it build and build and build and build, and now it's turned into this moment. I've got to have 20 people lay hands on me and pray for me so that I can step into a conversation with Bruce. Well, I didn't need to do that. It didn't need to become a huge moment, right? We should be truth speakers on a regular basis. We should be adjusting one another's dials on a regular basis. Hey, listen to what you just said, right? That didn't sound like gospel to me. It sounded like you were condemning yourself. You know, what's going on there? Let's talk about this, right? Our hearts are deceitfully wicked, and we're easy to be drawn away from the gospel. And sometimes it just takes someone saying, whoa, 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 well, what did you just say? Let's, let's look at this. Let's talk about this. Right, because I know you know the truth, but man, I need to be reminded, so I'm sure that you do as well. We should be speaking gospel truth to one another more often. You see this in the, in the New Testament with Paul, who was the newer apostle, you know, looking at Peter, who is compromising the truth of the gospel, and he doesn't, like, let this thing build. He just stops and says, Peter, stop it. Right? I know you were saved before I was, but listen to what you're saying. That's not consistent with the gospel. Stop it. Stop it right now. Right? And then they were able to continue along in their ministry. But that could have turned into a real big deal. But Paul was like, no, I need to say something to him right now before this thing uh, gets out of hand. And then lastly, I would say, show your humanity. Be real and be transparent. Right, when I'm looking at you all and saying, I really care too much about what people think about me, some of you are like, yeah, me too. Some of you are like, no, I don't really struggle with that, but man, I struggle in this other area. Whatever other area that that is, someone needs to hear that, and your words can be used to help them. But when you do so, be transparent and be real to them. I've shared this story before, and I won't give the long version of it, but I will talk about when my son... Uh, was really struggling, and he was in high school. And I just remember this one time, you know, he just broke on me. He just absolutely broke. And he looked at me, and he said, Dad, you don't understand what I'm going through. You're trying to understand, but you don't understand because you're perfect, and you don't understand sin. You know what that means? That means I have not done a good job in my relationship with him of helping him to understand gospel. I had not been real with him. I had not been transparent with him, right? And it actually hurt in this situation. And I thought, oh, dear Lord, have I really done that, right? Have I hidden my humanity from him in such a way that he sees Christ and Christianity as this pinnacle up here that some people are able to attend, but not the common man? He can't do it because I've got lust in my heart, right? I've got envy in my heart. I covet. I want things. I enjoy things of this world. And I know that I'm probably the only one that feels that way. Maybe me and my friends. But then there's like my dad. He's never struggled with anything like that. It's not true. It's not true. And if we're going to speak the truth in love to one another, then we have to be real and we have to be transparent. This is my last point and then I'm closing. The last point has already been spoken. Bruce spoke it well last week. The last point is we must 
have a relationship with people if we're going to speak the, love, the truth um, in love to them. You have to have a relationship. You have to risk getting to know people. It's hard. It's not easy. It's dangerous. You're going to get hurt. Someone's going to hurt your feelings. It's going to repeat. It's going to happen over and over. This is the gospel. This is what we do. We get close to people. We love them well. We speak the truth in love. We remind them of things that they need to be reminded of. And you will get hurt in this process. But we do it anyway. Get to know people. You know, as Bruce was saying last week, get to know a few people and get to know them well. You don't have to get to know 40, but you can get to know three people and get to know them well and just see what Jesus does in using you as an ambassador to speak the truth and love to them. Philippians 1.16 says this. It says, He who began a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Okay, the fact that he says he who began a good work in you and that he'll bring it to the day, you know, day of completion means that there's a work of progress that's going on in all of us. And we look at that verse, and it's okay to do this, but we internalize that to me as an individual. Look here, Jesus says, I began a good work in Jerry and I want to continue it until the day of completion. That's true, right? But he was talking to the church of Philippi. He was talking to the church. So what I would say is, God has begun a good work at Redstone Church, and it started five years ago. We're going to celebrate in a couple of weeks. It's going to be a lot of fun, right? But God has begun a good work in us, and he'll bring it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. But it will only happen if you and I step into this ambassadorship role and if we take it serious. Are you hearing me? It's not Spencer Till that's going to do this, right? It's Michael Lowndes, right? You're an ambassador of Christ. Andy Wooten, you're an ambassador of Christ. God wants to use your words to speak truth, right? He does. Anthony, you're an ambassador. Jesus wants to use your words as you work for Briscoe Electric to speak truth to somebody, right? College students, I'm so glad you guys are back. I have missed you. Oh, we have missed you. But Jesus wants to use your words to speak truth to somebody on that campus in such a way that James McNeil would be able to speak the words, but they would not be able to hear them, right? But because of your age and because of your struggles and because of you being transparent, they'll listen to your words. Speak them. Speak the truth in love. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for loving us well and for forgiving us of our sins. Lord, there may be individuals here who do not know you as Lord and Savior. And if that be the case, I pray, God, that they would confess you today. Lord, and for those of us who have confessed you as Lord, we repent. God, we ask for forgiveness for these times over and over and over that we cared more about what people thought of us and how they might process what we say and in fear, we backed away and we chose not to speak the truth in love to them. Oh, God, forgive us. And, Lord, don't leave us there. Lord, embolden us. Give us a boldness that we've never had before, that this body would be filled with truth speakers, that we would be in your word and we would be understanding your word and we would be speaking reconciliation and reminding one another 
of what reconciliation living looks like. Lord, we can't do that on our own. The same spirit that raised you from the dead resides in us and we are 100% dependent upon you. Do your work in us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you're new to Redstone Church, we're glad you're here. We welcome you. I know we have a couple people. This is your first time. And one of the things that we do, uh, similar to during the week when we're going to break up into community groups, we get into these small groups, small pockets, and um, it's a little uncomfortable maybe the first time that you do it, especially, you know, if you don't really know a lot of people. But we want you to be in a small pocket. We want you to um, enjoy breaking bread and taking communion to be reminded of, of gospel truths together. Okay, so this is another one of those that we are going to ask you to not take communion by yourself this morning, right? If you see someone by themselves, then go after them. And if you are by yourself, then step into another group. I promise you we'll allow you um, into that group. But we take communion every week. We love to be reminded of what Jesus said. He said, as often as you partake, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. Well, what are we proclaiming? We're proclaiming that Jesus gave himself for us, right? His body was given for us. And without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. And that which we saw it this morning, 2 Corinthians 5.21, he who had no sin became a sin offering for us that in him and by his blood we might become the righteousness of God. I'm telling you people, it's nonsensical. It makes no sense that God would love us to that degree. It makes no sense that he would forgive us of all that we've done. We're not saved, and after that, we never sin again. We will continue to struggle. But we are made into his righteousness because of his body and because of his blood. Father, help us to understand the goodness of the gospel as we partake of communion this morning. In Christ's name we pray, amen. We have men scattered throughout the, the back, and then I'll be at the front.